Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, the 12th chapter of Hebrews. We're on our journey through this amazing book. Last Sunday, my pastor did a more than able job of preaching this text, and he said, your pastor may want to tackle it again, and I do, so I've been released to do it again. The text reads, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. Can you say talk? See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. So God spoke through the prophet Moses, and it was so important that there was severe ramifications if they did not heed what God was saying. And if that was the case on earth, how much more severe, important, a vital priority if we turn away from the Lord who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, talking about Mount Sinai, there was earthquakes when God was speaking, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised saying, and he quotes from Haggai, Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. What does that mean? There's a finality in this yet once more shaking. He shook the earth once in giving the law. Now he's going to shake the earth and the heavens once more. Why does he say once more? Because it's only going to take once more. And everything that can be shaken will be shaken. I'm getting ahead of myself, so let's go back. Now, now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. So this points to present-day judgment and future judgment. Who knows there's a whole lot of shaking going on right now. I mean, the world is shaking economically, naturally, psychologically, crazily. Therefore, because of this, verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, so everything that can be shaken is going to be removed, everything that cannot be shaken will remain, so it's like turning the light on in a dark room. The light is revealed and everything in that room is revealed. With the shaking, everything that's shakable is revealed as it's removed. And everything that's unshakable is revealed because it's, it remains. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God. The word there means to minister to God. It can mean worship God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. In other words, everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken, and that which cannot be shaken will remain. Therefore, because of this, let's honor God. Let's honor the Lord. I'd like to approach this text from three angles. One way, in light of an Old Testament passage, Prophecy by Haggai. The second way, in light of 
four other passages in Hebrews, and thirdly, in light of us, our life. How does this passage relate to an Old Testament prophecy? How does this passage relate to the book in which it is written? And how does this passage relate to me, to us, and you? How does it? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your word would come alive to us today in such a way that we will remember for the rest of our lives to heed your call and to take seriously your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you for the next few minutes on the subject, honoring the God who speaks and has spoken. Honoring the God who speaks and has spoken. We serve a speaking God. Sorry, deist. God didn't wind us up like a clock and leave us to our own things. He is very involved in our lives, but it's through his word. He speaks. He gives commands. He gives direction. But he is not a puppeteer. Can I get an amen? amen. He did not make robots. Otherwise, our worship would be shallow, Right? Who's happily married? All right. If you chained your spouse to an unshakable wall in your house and you came home, would there be a thrill that your spouse was still there waiting on you? Right? It's the fact there's free will in a marriage that brings joy to your heart. This person loves me. And boy, have I tested the person in my life. No amens. And she loves me and vice versa. And so <laughs> she always waits for the chance to say that. All right, back to the sermon, as I promised. How does this passage relate to an Old Testament prophecy? These verses remind us of an earlier promise coming from Haggai. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Let's just talk about the prophet Haggai for a minute. They are in captivity by the Babylonians who were overtaken by the Persians. They're under the reign of one of the Persian kings. There was four of them named Darius, one of the ones that threw Daniel in the lion's den. He was Darius or Darius, however you want to pronounce it. So under the reign of King Darius or Darius, their governor Zerubbabel was taken on a project of rebuilding the temple that had been destroyed and a high priest named Joshua was in position at that time. They were going back to the Holy Land, back to their homeland, building houses for themselves, but the house of God was in ruins. So they were building the house, and it was not going to be as glorious as Solomon's temple. I mean, everything was gold-plated, and silver was everywhere. And so in the midst of this disheartening replacement... In their eyes, what they were rebuilding was nothing. And in the midst of this ministry of Haggai, he gives this prophecy. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations. Sounds like Hebrews 12, 25 through 29, doesn't it? I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. 
The silver is mine, not Solomon's, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house, this latter temple, shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace. Now, you can differ with me on this, but just let me communicate how I, how I understand this. This is pointing to the kingdom of God. Not to, as much as I value the land of Israel and God keeping his promises to Abraham, this is not pointing to rebuilding a temple in Jerusalem. This is where the desire of all nations fills the temple with his presence, to whom the world will flock. This is the kingdom of God. This is Jesus, really. Well, I thought he was God, yes. How come you're saying he's a temple? Well, he's, he's many things. He's a lion and the lamb. He's a sacrifice. He's the priest. He's the one to whom the tabernacle points and Solomon's temple pointed. He's the door to the sheepfold, and yet he's the good shepherd. You see all this? He's the good Samaritan, and yet he's Jewish. How is he all these things? Well, Samaritans were looked at as half-breeds, Jesus was looked at as a half-breed. I mean, technically, he was half-Jewish. Think about that. I don't want to make your brain go tilt. So this points to Jesus. So the glory, it, it fills this temple that it's pointing to. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. What is that? That's glory. That's the riches of his grace. Well, pastor, you are completely spiritualizing. No, I'm not. I am literalizing. Jesus is real. He's real. He's alive today. He lived in the past. He died in the past. He arose from the dead in the past. And he still lives today. And he has all authority and all power. Amen? He's the rock made without hands that Daniel's book prophesied about that is rolling throughout the earth and eventually will take over the earth. Yeah. So, this connects to that promise. The Lord's going to shake everything that can be shaken, including the heavens, so that what cannot be shaken will remain and will show the world. Oh, the world's getting darker and darker. The darker the world gets, the more your light will shine. Oh, the world's getting shakier and shakier. The more shaky the world gets, the more obvious the unshakable will stand. If our lives are built on him. Okay, so this is a passage in a lot of the Old Testament prophecy. Uh, you want to debate with me? Let's do it afterwards. All right. Now, how does this passage relate to other verses in Hebrews? It's a fifth and final warning. The book starts with these words. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets of many times, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Can you say Jesus? Whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact re representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided a purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. How is that a warning? 
It's setting the stage for the book. Preaching the glory of Jesus, how he's greater than the prophets in the past. He's greater than the angels in the past, present, and future. He's greater than the temple. He's greater than the sacrifice. He's greater than the priesthood. He's greater than Melchizedek. He is greater than anything you and I can think of. And God has spoken to us through him. So what he says is important. He's the word who was with God, who was God. And that word was made flesh. Could you say word? So the son of God did not come to earth and give meaningless platitudes. We like to put things in containers and label them. Oh, those are the Beatitudes. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And this is the Mount Olivet Discord. I beg your pardon. These are the words of the Son of God for you and I. There's somebody who wrote a book called The Hard Sayings of Jesus. Like we're supposed to put him in some container like Jesus just came and exaggerated stuff to try to get us to behave. You know, you threaten to kill your kids, maybe they'll do better. He didn't, the word of God, God cannot lie. He's not a man, nor the son of man, that he can lie. He came and spoke the truth. Well, it's impossible to live like he said. Exactly. That's why we need his help. So his word draws us to him. He himself said, no one can come to the father but by me. So we need his help because the power of Jesus is what enables us to live as he commanded. But if we don't take his word seriously, then we're not giving him anything to work with, to help us out with. Does that make any sense? All right. This passage also relates to what the next chapter says at the beginning. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. There's the word. Lest we drift away from it. There's the word. For since the message, these are words from angels, declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, we see that played out in the stories of the First Testament, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord. So the Lord came and gave us the message. The gospel of the kingdom, everything he said relates to that. It was declared at first by the Lord and was attested to us by those who heard him. So we're here not only by the words of Jesus, but by the words of ear and eye witnesses who has a Bible in their hand or on their phone. So how will we escape if we neglect these things spoken by the Lord and share with us by ear witnesses and eye witnesses? Well, God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. When God answers prayer, he's pointing to the truthfulness of his word. Every answer to prayer is a call to obedience, a call to reliance upon him for his power to walk out his will. It's not his will that we live in sin. Well, what if I mess up? Get up and run boldly to the throne of grace. That's also mentioned in Hebrews. But just don't live the rest of your life wallowing in sin. Heaven does not have 
everybody in it that thinks they're going who's living a life of rebellion. When you go to heaven, you don't get a personality change. You're still you. So if you're living a life of rebellion, why should you go to heaven? Well, I believe in Jesus. Well, the devils also believe. Are they going to be there? Welcome to earth too. Surprise, the shock of eternity. Heaven becomes just like earth. No, he is redeeming us, conforming us to his image by his power and by his word. The word and spirit are involved in this. So we got to take it seriously. So when the word convicts us, we don't reject it. We don't throw it into a container and label it. We heed it. Lord, I need your help. I'm not obeying you in this area. All right, Hebrews 6 says this. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened. How are you enlightened? By the word. Who have tasted the heavenly gift. Who have shared in the Holy Spirit who have tasted the goodness of the word of God. There's the word. And the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. It's important to heed what we've heard. Well, I think I'm going to follow a message that makes me feel secure. I believe in the security of the believer. Well, I, I want to believe in eternal security so I can live however I want and live with a license to sin. Well, at your funeral, when somebody asks the preacher, you think they really went to heaven? They'll say, no, I don't think they were really saved. They'll kick you to the curb. They don't stick with their message when you talk one-on-one. -on -one. So if we're living a life of rebellion, this is important to pay attention. All right. Two chapters ago, Hebrews 10 says, For if we deliberately keep on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, no further sacrifice for sins is left for us, but only a certain fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume God's enemies. Someone who rejected the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Many of those laws carried capital punishment. Verse 29, how much greater punishment do you think that person deserves who has contempt for the Son of God and profanes the blood of the covenant that made him holy and insults the spirit of grace? You may not think you're practicing contempt, but you can. In a courtroom, there are certain actions that are looked at as contempt of court. You're failing to show respect to the authority of the courtroom. In the legal court, you can be told how to dress, and if you don't, you're showing contempt, contempt of court. There actually can be a penalty for showing contempt of court. How are we related to the lordship of Jesus Christ? There's punishment for evildoers. Francis Chan tells this story, and I've told it before. It's a great illustration. If you tell your child, clean your room and make sure they understand it, and when your parent comes back to ask you if you're the child or if you come back to ask them, your child, have you cleaned your room? They say, no, we've made ball caps, T-shirts, and a CD entitled, Clean Your Room. We formed a study club. We've written books and posters that say, clean your room. 
We've gotten a dictionary and looked up the meaning and all the nuances and etymology of the word clean and the word your and the word room. We're all about what you say because we love you, mama and daddy. We're all about you, what you say. Is that obedience? Well, you're very busy with the words given you. The world looks at the church and they see us doing things like that. And yet we're full of bitterness, pride, racial prejudice, lack of mercy for hurting people, and we're living in sin. Why should they take us seriously? Gary Paxton wrote a song, If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Evidence. This passage tells us why we should not refuse God's word. Let's look at it again. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they do not escape, if they did not escape, he refused him. Much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things. Can you say permanent? The removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace, thank God for grace, by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. So pastor, isn't this book written to Jewish believers, to Hebrews around the Roman Empire who were tempted to go back and live under the First Testament law, neglecting the new covenant that had been given to them because life would be easier? They were already living under oppression from the Romans during the days of the Roman Empire, and then they were facing difficulties, ostracization, getting kicked out of synagogues, families disowning them for leaving the old covenant to pursue the new covenant, so they were tempted to go back. Isn't it actually talking about that? Yes, it does, but the principle still applies because we've all been saved from sin. We've all been saved from rebellion. We've all been saved from self-centered narcissism. But to go back to that, not good. Not good. A future shaking of heaven and earth is, retold, is foretold. So there's a present day shaking, but there's a future day coming. God is a consuming fire. This place is going to burn up. This wonderful church building that we've been blessed with, one day will melt with a fervent heat. And the new earth, whether it's this one or a renewed one or a completely different one, will be where righteousness dwells. It says, this passage says that what can be shaken is going to be removed. It's going to be shook to the point it's removed. You ever been uh, where a hurricane blew through town? All the leaves are gone. What happened to the leaves? They could be shaken, and they shook, 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 till they disappeared. Only thing that remains is the tree trunks. Looks rather stark, and some of them don't even remain because their roots weren't sufficient enough to hold them up. A shaking happened. All these shakings, storms, 
earthquakes, chaos in the culture is pointing to the great shaking that's coming. This passage promises that what cannot be shaken is going to remain. That's why we stand on Christ the solid rock. God's unshakable kingdom will be revealed. You and I, if we've placed our faith in the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, given him our life, and been born again, we've been made citizens of the kingdom. We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's dear son. And we have a promise that if we've sinned, we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Well, what if I keep confessing the same thing over and over? You just keep confessing it. But chances are, you may not be getting to the real issue because the promise is to be cleansed of all unrighteousness. Maybe you're confessing for forgiveness of anger, but maybe the real issue is a lack of trust in God or fear or an unhealed hurt, a prejudice you won't let go of, or bitterness. Whatever the issue is, there's a root to it. The Lord wants to shake out of us. <laughs> you ever want somebody just to shake you? The Lord will do it with his word. Heeding God's voice, the Lord's voice is eternally important. Why? His word is eternal, and he's made us eternal. So heeding him is a priority. Mark 9, this happened in three places in the New Testament. A cloud overshadows the disciples that were present with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. Mark 9, 7, Matthew 17, 5, and Luke 9, 34 through 35. I do not believe that just applied to that circumstance or that context. I believe it's a principle for all of us. Jesus is God's beloved son whom he chose to speak through to the world, and we must hear him. Those statements when he said in your King James Bible, Verily, verily, I say unto you, or truly, truly, I say unto you. The Greek word there is amen. He says, amen, amen, I say to you. In, in other words, he's outlining what he's saying. This is true, this is true. Listen to me, hello, here's a highlighter. Amen, amen. Love your enemies. Do good to those who spitefully use you. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, because it's better to go to heaven with one eye than to hell hole. <laughs> That's our new password for our Wi-Fi. Matthew 5, colon 29. Don't look it up right now. It's a warning that when you get on the internet to deal with it in such a way that you're not led astray. Who knows the internet's full of all kinds of stuff that's not God's will for us. Let's build our lives on a more sure foundation. More sure foundation. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, 
Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. That relates to today's text. A storm is coming, a flood is coming, a wind is blowing. What is our life built upon? There's the person of Christ, there's the precepts of Christ, the principles of Christ, the commands of Christ, and there's the people of Christ. Some people love to sing that song, me and Jesus got our own thing going, like he's got some secret deal made out with you, and you don't heed his word, and you have no relationship with his people. Well, I don't believe in organized religion. Well, good luck with that, because most religions aren't that well organized. Hang out here for a while, and you'll see. Well, the church is full of hypocrites. Well, there's room for one more. John... One of the apostles that was closest to Jesus said, you cannot love God who you have not seen if you don't love his people whom you have seen. We're all predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Could it be that God will use the brother or sister that's most annoying like sandpaper to polish you into a wonderful diamond? You're welcome. Is Jesus my Lord? Is Jesus our Lord? Is Jesus your Lord? Jesus talked about those saying to him, Lord, Lord. Maybe you don't think of calling Jesus Lord, Lord. But he's the Lord of Lords. So he is Lord, Lord. The first Lord modifies the next one. He's also Lord, Lord, Lord. Lord, we could go on with that principle. Don't say that if you don't do the thing he says. So Matthew had the recording of that parable of the wise man. But so does Luke. Watch, let's watch it again according to Luke. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, 
immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. You ever honked at somebody who had a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker and they flipped you the bird? That didn't happen to me, but I did have somebody with a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker, and they did flip me the bird. I didn't honk at him. Then I did honk at him. <laughs> All right, I'm talking to us as Americans. Let's be wary of living a life based on our feelings. It's like our emotions are Lord. Well, I don't feel like it. Like, that's the final answer. Like, like on Judgment Day, telling the Father, well, I didn't feel like it. He's going to buy that. He made you, and he had the power available to you to walk in his will and gave you the instructions. Beware of the lordship of our feelings. What's happened to our country? Have we become the offended states of America? This isn't a call to be uh, intentionally offensive. But you can't just speak freely without someone taking your words, putting a spin on them, turning them into some kind of uh, knife, and then stabbing himself with it and say, stop stabbing me. You're hurting me. That's what people are doing. The word says, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, our feelings can be shaken. Feelings come and go. You cannot trust them. Don't you dare follow your heart. Your heart will lead you astray. Guard your heart for out of it will flow the issues of your life. In fact, the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. It's like it's a priority to guard your heart because it's so vulnerable to foolishness. Since we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. Thank God for his unmerited favor that empowers us to go forward, by which we may serve God acceptably, by which we may worship him with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. He dwells in unapproachable light. He is everywhere. And if you could see him, you'd be blind. So his invisibility is a blessing. If he became solid, you'd be frozen. He has blessed us by the way he relates to us and sent his son to speak to us, becoming one of us, and allowing us to torture, maim, rob, and betray him, and kill him, to demonstrate his love by his restraint. The planet should have melted at that point. Why does God allow such wickedness in the world? Because it ain't judgment day yet. He will deal with it. Justice will reign. He's not always fair. Fairness is temporary. Justice is eternal. So in his mercy, he's given everyone a chance to repent. He's the consuming fire. So I end with this statement by Francis Bacon. It is not what men eat, but what they digest that makes them strong. Not what we gain, but what we save that makes us rich. Not what we read, but what we remember 
that makes us learned. Not what we preach, but what we practice that makes us Christians. Lord, I want to be like Jesus in my heart, in my heart, oh Lord. I want to be like Jesus in my heart, in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be like Jesus in my heart. Lord, I want to be a Christian with my life. Lord, I want to be a Christian with my life. With my life, with my life, my whole life, Lord, I want to be a Christian with my life. Lord, who are you speaking today? Lord, we do not want to live a life that dishonors you. We don't want to be like those you rebuked in the first covenant who drew near to you with their lips, with their pretty songs, and music, and amazing sacrifices, but their heart was far from you. Draw us close to you. Never let us go. And may our lives be built on that firm foundation. Christ is my firm foundation. The rock on which I stand When everything around me I stand when 
built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness fails his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. His blood, his covenant, and oath support me in the whelming flood. When every earthly prop gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. Immovable, invincible is the Lord our God, unbreakable, unshakable Jesus. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faithful to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You are the solid rock on which I stand. Immovable, invincible, unbreakable, unshakable is the Lord our God. Amen. Rain wind blew, but my house was built on you. I say with you, I'm going to make it through. One more time. point was beware of living by your feelings basically if I could add another one beware of living a hyper individualistic life me and Jesus got my own thing going it's not the will of God for any of us you need your brothers and sisters amen well y'all ain't the sharpest tax in the box well first Corinthians 1 says not many wise not many noble are called. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So it didn't say not any. So you may be the smartest man in the room. That's great. Welcome. 
But we need you and you need us. Amen? Because the Christian life is not made to be lived alone. It's made to be lived with the power of the Holy Spirit and the encouragement of brothers and sisters. If you're here today and you need some prayer, you've got people all around you that can pray with you. Well, me and Jesus, we, we got it going on. Well, that's great. You need a personal relationship with the Lord, but you don't need to form Jesus in your own image. That's why we need each other. It helps us live a balanced life. And that's why we have to speak the truth to one another in love. Amen? Let's not coddle each other in our sin. Let's speak the truth and uh, ask those tough questions like, oh, that's what you're doing? What does the word say? Yes, but I feel, I feel, I feel. Well, how's it working for you? <laughs> life will prove the wisdom of Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. May his word reign supreme in your life and your family and your church that you're part of. In Jesus' name, amen. Find a disorganized church. If you don't have one, and join it. This is one of them. God bless you. Go get them, tigers.